But then I went back and I started doing some research about childhood development and how we build a solid foundation for being emotionally healthy men. Yes. And what I was finding was there are about five or six different steps that we're supposed to be taking, that we're supposed to receive from our parents. And if we do not receive them, we are then what I'm calling, we wind up being emotionally undeveloped. And that is what she saw. She mm-hmm. saw a man who was emotionally undeveloped. That was my guest on today's show, Dr. Eddie Caparucci, author of Why Men Struggle to Love, Overcoming Relational Blind Spots. This is part two of my interview with him, and uh, we'll dive a lot more into how men are emotionally undeveloped and how that creates barriers for men to uh, get close to not only partners, but children and other people we have relationships with. We'll be right back. into relationships and you hosted by toby jenkins a licensed marriage and family therapist serving central kentucky each week toby will bring you a show with a topic related to mental health relationships or self-improvement the name of the show paradigm comes from that moment in the therapy process when a profound shift in perspective happens for a client an epiphany sometimes accompanied by physical reaction that leads them to look at things differently and make significant steps towards improving and enriching their lives. And we're back. You're listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. My guest today is Dr. Eddie Caparucci, and uh, we're digging deep uh, on why men struggle to love, uh, which is the title of his new book, Overcoming Relational Blind Spots. And so we were getting into the 14 blind spots. And so, you know, you, you we, we've touched on them here and there. And then as you ran through them, there were some that were, you. I think you used the term, the kiss of death. <laughs> so of them... Which which ones are or which one are the toughest ones to kind of peel the onion back on? Yeah. The, well, I mean, the one thing that we talk about that we're they're all they can all be very difficult to you know pull the onion back from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the thing about the um, lack of contentment, mm-hmm. you know, that is something that's really going to be difficult because what happens is over time. These, these uh, men, what they do, they do a lot of comparison. They're always mm. looking at what other people um, are, what they have or what they've gone through. or So therefore, they never really quite um, happy with where they see themselves in their lives. They lack, they lack gratitude. They find it very difficult just to say, wow, you know what? I have a lot of blessings in my life. And they can't see that. All they can see is what I don't have in my life or what should have been. That's a big yep. one. What should have been. It should, oh, it yeah. should, my life should not be this. Yeah. 
and when you, you know, when I, when I was reading the book, um, my, I thought about my own clients I work with and that usually turns into complaining usually about your partner. Um, cause it can be more difficult to turn that inward because mm-hmm. when it gets turned inward, that happens too. Um, <clears throat> but you know, that gratitude is a big part of it. And you know, when you mentioned like always comparing what could have been, um, my first thought was the, those, this, you're, you're very familiar with the concept of being stuck. Um, yeah. whether it was an opportunity that didn't happen or the, you're not in the relationship you thought you'd be in or wanted to be in. And so, um, yeah, that's that's a tough one. That's a really, really uh, tough one. Does that also come with, um, you've used the word purpose too, not really having um, a why or something that's moving you forward. Right. Is that, yep. That's accompanied with it too. Yeah, and, and the reason that's there is because many people who deal with this lack of contentment also have this distorted sense of self. You know, they have mm-hmm. a lot, they have a really strong negative narrative about themselves. Um, they ruminate on toxic thoughts a great deal. So they're, they live more in a negative world than in a positive world. So with that, it's going to become very difficult for them to be able to look forward in, with an optimistic view Mm-hmm. that would give them a sense of purpose because again they're trapped in all this negativity and really mm-hmm. it becomes the sense that fear rules their lives more than anything else and, yeah. and again if i said to you fear you're going to see fear in all these blind spots yeah um and you know that was the other big overarching concept that kind of hit me is that um maybe you have a theory on this. Um, what, what is so debilitating for men about fear? Um, we're not supposed to be fearful. <laughs> yep. We're not, we're not supposed to be that, that fear is not in our DNA. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to be brave. We're supposed to be strong. You know, we were the alpha of the, uh, of the sexes. And, and again, you know, that we, we've done, some good work over the last several decades to try to shift that paradigm. Mm -hmm. But, oh boy, we have a long, long way to go with it. Uh, Because again, most, most people are not learning at a young age what it means to be a man from their father or their older brother. They're learning what, how it, what, what did it mean to be a man from their peers mm-hmm. and from media yeah. and the world. <laughs> and media likes to show a very, still likes to show the real macho, you know, type of male, even though, you know, Hollywood and everything wants you to be that kind of sensitive guy. But, you know, that's not what, you know, you're showing us for the most part in what you're presenting to us from a media standpoint. And why? Well, I'll tell you what I think. I think because the sensitive male doesn't sell. No. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> sell. 
you know, I mean, could you imagine a movie Die Hard and Bruce Willis being a sensitive guy? I mean, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, he, the media we going to say is like, you know, well, oh, I got to go out there and talk to them and reason with them. And I'm sure these terrorists will be fine. And he would have wanted to put a bullet in the head after the first eight minutes and the movie's over. Oh, that, that's Rambo, the sensitive Rambo. Well, that yes, probably... the sensitive Rambo. <laughs> right? I, I just, that. So therefore, the message that we get, and then add the video games in mm -hmm. on top of that, right? So why, while the world wants us, or society in general wants men to shift to be more sensitive and caring and understanding and sensitive, they're not delivering that message. They're not showing that <clears throat> model to yeah. us. So therefore, young boys still continue along the way of, you know, what we what we were teaching them, you know, decades ago or <clears throat> centuries ago mm -hmm. when there was no thought that they're, oh, my gosh, a sensitive male. Are you yeah. kidding me? There can be no sensitive men. No. Uh, no. Yeah. Because again, get, what do we? Uh... We're the hunters. <laughs> right. We are the hunters. <laughs> we go out there and we hunt. Well, guess what? You know what? I think you and I understand that there could be a balance. Oh yeah. I don't. I don't have to give up my uh, sense that I am a strong man and that I am not weak. I don't have to give that up if I elect to engage and to be more emotionally sensitive. Oh yeah. I can have. I can have both. Absolutely. But see, that's not that's not the mindset most men have. It's like yeah. I pick one or the other. Okay, either I am macho or I am weak. Yes, and that is completely that. If you talk about a myth, that's a huge. That myth. would be that would be a yes. It'd be a huge one. Yeah, but so, again, I guess that's your your job and my job is to <laughs> help to change that. So. Very very true. You know, with the lack of with all of these, you have really tangible like steps to take. Like with the lack of contentment, what are some of the tangible steps uh, that you prescribe? Right. Well, the thing is, with with the lack of contentment, what we're going to do first and foremost <coughs> is stop comparing ourselves to other people. For to understand that everyone's circumstances are unique, and yes, you know what. Maybe you weren't born with a golden spoon in your mouth, okay? You know, it doesn't. But let's look back at some of your achievements that you made, okay? Perhaps there was nobody there to, your parents couldn't afford to pay for you to go to college, but you went to college on your own and you paid for all of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, no, you didn't, you didn't take the career path that you wanted when you came out of it, but still, think of that accomplishment that you made. Okay, now today you're a father and you know what? You have three kids, your wife, and you're out there and you're supporting them. You know what? And, and you go, you coach one of your kids' game, and we find, try to find those things that we can start to change this distorted sense of self. Mm -hmm. So it's more, it's less about the comparison. We also want to examine the negative narrative. You know, what are those lies that you're telling yourself? 
so that we can start to change those, therefore reducing also the toxic thoughts. And finally, also what one of the other things, not finally, there's some others, but for this segment, I'll talk about that, is more gratitude. Oh, yeah. We have to really just start to understand, look, you know what? These are the blessings I have. No, I don't have everything. But you know what? Maybe I wasn't meant to have everything. Maybe yeah. having more is something I wouldn't be able to handle very well. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very true. You know, when it comes to, um, you know, I, I think I said this during a break, but one of the things I really appreciated while reading through your book was not only are these the blind spots, but these are the steps or things you can do to help close them. And, you know, when it comes to gratitude, um, actually I'll go back to the self-talk because I'm big on self-talk and it's amazing the things we say to ourselves that we wouldn't let anyone else say to us. Right. And so one of the most basic things you can do when it comes to, uh, you know, changing your self-talk is to write those things down and then through journaling, you know, write the counter message. So you're not, you're not a piece of, you're not a weakling right. or trash or lazy. Um, what's the I have one message? more thing in there. Yeah. I, I have one more component. Where do you think you got that message? Mm -hmm. you, you, you didn't get it coming out of the womb. Okay. That's not, it wasn't, it didn't exist. Where, where did it manifest itself? How yeah. did it manifest itself? Because I think, again, as you know, I'm a big why guy. Okay? Mm -hmm. Why? If I, if I understand why I think, feel, and act the way I do, I feel that we're very empowered. So I also want to know and understand, because if I start to look at that message and I find out, oh, it came from that bullying that happened, or it came from you know, a father who was insensitive with his comment, or whatever, then it's like, okay, but wait a second. One, we're going we're gonna to set our whole sense of self based on that we're going to allow that to continue to influence the way we feel about ourselves yep or are we going to instead make changes and look at reality and this goes back to the whole concept i give with everybody what i feel mm. versus mm -hmm. what is real yep you heard it when i told we did it on the child right yep. are usually two very different things absolutely we're up against a break. My guest today is Dr. Eddie Caparucci, and we're talking about uh, the blind spots and his new book, Why Men Struggle to Love Overcoming Relational Blind Spots. We'll be right back. This is Toby Jenkins, founder of Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy and host of Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy is a proud sponsor and supporter of Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. At Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy, we work with couples, families, and individuals walking with you through life's challenges and transitions. You can find out more about Jenkins Couples and Family Therapy and request an appointment through telehealth or in person at www.jenkinscft.com. Dot com or by calling 859-806-0093. We are back. You're listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. My guest today is Dr. Eddie Caparucci. And before the break, we we're talking about some of the more uh, difficult blind spots. Um, so uh, the next one is really difficult. 
is um, hypersensitivity. Let's talk about what that is and um, and how do you resolve it? Yeah, hypersensitivity falls into three different categories. Um, we could be hypersensitive to criticism. I could be hypersensitive to rejection. Mm. Or I could be hypersensitive to being falsely accused. Okay. Ooh. So, oh, yeah. Ooh, I know it's a big one for people. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually had a client just the other day who was going through that now. He... It was really interesting. You're talking about how he felt his wife was falsely accusing him of something, and he was very, very annoyed about it. And um, it went without me even prompting him. He said, "He goes, I know what you're going to do. He goes, you're going to tell me to kind of go back and remember when was I falsely accused in the past growing up." He goes, "I already, <laughs> he goes, I already did that." Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he goes, and I can remember, he goes, I remember a time when my father, he goes, I was about 12, and he goes, he accused me of taking money out of his wallet. Ooh. And I did not take money out of his wallet. I never touched it. And he would not let it go. He was relentless, telling me I was a liar, I was a thief, and I couldn't bear having a thief under his roof. And wow. then he just started to cry. Oh, wow. He just started to cry. And I'm not talking about, he cried back then. I'm talking about now. Yeah. When yeah. he was telling me the story, he started to cry. Mm. And he, and he, I've never seen this in him. I've never mm -hmm. seen him be so vulnerable. And he really, it took, and, and again, what do we do when people start to weep? We just kind of sit back and we let it occur and happen. Yes. And it took him a while to regain his composure from mm. it. And he goes, and he goes, you know what? He goes, I've forgotten all about that until uh, that happened with my wife. And I went back and said, okay, so what's Eddie going to tell me to do? And I did that. <laughs> and he goes, but it didn't have the impact on me that it's having on me right now. Mm -hmm. I go, good. Now you're going a little bit deeper with it. So, so again, that, perceived sense of you know again being falsely accused still hanging with him today but that's what happens with all of these whether it's criticism and we all see this and actually all right i'm going to confess to you right now toby okay per perceived criticism i am still very hypersensitive to it is something i have to work on okay and, and my wife you know, constantly, it's like she'll say something, uh, and I just immediately take it to be, oh, she is ripping me down. It's not what's happening, but see, that goes back to being raised with a stepfather who was mm. always criti critical, constantly mm -hmm. critical. Everything was wrong. Doesn't matter what you did right, you were gonna, you were gonna hear what was wrong. Yep. So, so with that. You know, it, it's still part of my DNA, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I have to catch myself. Fortunately, my wife catches it a lot more than I do. And she'll yeah. say, wait a second. She goes, I see that criticism muscle of yours. It's being a little weak right now. And, and I'm like, wow, that's kind of criticism about my criticism muscle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, interesting. I That's one I have to constantly work on. I get it from the other perspective. Um, I could do no wrong as a child. 
And my right. siblings would tell you that, yeah, well, everything Toby does is perfect. And so in my marriage, same thing. Um, I have to, I have to talk to myself in the third person. This will sound really crazy, but when my wife is, is giving me criticism, especially I've had to learn that I need it because I'm not as good as I think I am. Mm. Um, so I have to say to myself, yes, Toby did X, Y, and Z and have to put myself in the place where how, how, how does my wife feel about that? Mm. Or how would I try to put my, you have an outer body experience, so to speak. How would she, how would I have perceived that if this were someone else who right. then my wife feels humiliated or stupid because of something someone else did, I'd be pissed. Mm. And so that's one for me too, but it comes yeah, from the see, opposite see, direction. See, now you're back to using the inner child process right mm-hmm. there. It's like what I feel, what do I feel? I feel mm-hmm. criticized. I feel like, Wait a second, don't you know who I am? Yes. I'm Toby. <laughs> I know. I, I can I do no wrong. No, I can do no wrong. <laughs> don't, you need to go talk to my parents, okay? I mean, let me get them on the phone right now. <laughs> that, that, so, uh, the, the feelings, right? That you know, And then what did you do? You moved it over to reality. Yeah. You, slow, you, slow, you took everything, you slowed it down. Okay, but what's really going on? Yeah. And you start to be more rational in your thought process and your thinking. See, that's what gets us in trouble all the time. We stay in the emotional thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Era, oh, yeah. Arena. Yeah. And we don't shift to try to you know, be rational about it. Because yeah. again, that's our inner child who's driving all of this. And I know some of your viewers that they haven't heard the interview about the inner child, they probably wonder, what do you keep talking about this? They have child. to go back they, and listen. They have to go back and listen, <laughs> right? Right, because, because you said it earlier. You actually said it sooner before. You said the two actually merge together between mm-hmm. the inner child and here being emotionally undeveloped. They actually have a very strong connection between oh, them as you do it. So anyway, we need to be able to take that time to process through our emotion. And what are we doing when we're doing this? We're slowing everything slowing down, down yep. right? Before we weren't doing that, we were just off and running because I don't want to sit with this pain. Nope. Okay, I don't want to sit with it. See, we connect all the dots. We just go. Yep. <laughs> don't want to sit with it, <laughs> but I'm going to sit with it. And what's reality? Yes. Reality, as I said before, what I feel versus what is real are two very different things. And that is one of the keys for ha- helping to overcome the hypersensitive um, component. And, and the reason for that is we have to slow everything down because when we're yeah. getting hypersensitive, we're just being reactive. Yeah. We are not thinking things through. And we can't ignore like the physiological responses that are going on because usually when we feel attacked we're out of our rational you know the prefrontal cortex and we're into the amygdala survival and Mm -hmm. very much reverts back to those kind of primitive responses you know you mentioned the the other leg of this is rejection and that's something i am hearing more and more about either it's a fear of rejection i think there's a new well it was new to me there's a dsm uh diagnosis of um Maybe you're familiar with hyper-rejection sensitivity or something? Yes, right. That is it. That's correct. Right. It is, it, we, are, we are very hypersensitive to that rejection, but it's not really 
be, we're not being rejected. And again, that, that, that falls into the idea of past childhood wounds mm-hmm. and being able to go back there and not be afraid to touch them so that you can identify, you know, what happened. Like, for example, let's say, you know, with rejection, it's as a child, you're the one who had to chase all the other kids in your neighborhood. And what I mean by chase is you had to, talk, you had to seek them out. Yeah. Nobody ever came knocking on your door to say, hey, you want to come out? You know, or they knock on your door to say, hey, can I borrow your baseball bat or something? But they didn't, they didn't chase you. So you always had to chase people. Yes. And with that, with that, what happens, it becomes a sense of rejection when you go and you chase and they're like, sorry, we don't have time for you. Well, yeah, you know what? Let's say something's happening with your wife or whatever and say, hey, honey, I need you to talk. I don't have time right now. Mm-hmm. And that, that could be a sense of rejection. Yeah. Just that. And, and then you sit there and say, no, wait a second. It's no... Come on, can't we grow up and not that shouldn't be a sense of rejection. Remember what we're talking about. We're talking about the emotionally undeveloped man. So right. therefore, that will take them again, maybe not crash them, but we're gonna shift their mood somewhat mm-hmm. to be like, oh, and maybe what it is is they just become very sad. They're not yeah. angry with her. But they're sad and bonding about it, and it, they may become a little bit moody with all of it. Yeah, I, you know, um, just in the last uh, six months or so, I've had this. Uh, I've had clients bring this diagnosis to me, saying, "Hey, I think I have this," and it was new to me. And um, my first thought was kind of what you're saying here. Um, I don't know that we can go through our lives without experiencing rejection. So developing the emotional IQ and kind of the, the emotional health to be able to deal with it in a healthy way. I thought initially, well, that's kind of where we'd want to go versus mm-hmm. saying, yep, can't deal with rejection. But, right. you know, but, I, but what else do we have to deal with here with this and that kind of a disorder? We have to look at what are the attachment wounds. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The att- attachment plays a and I I believe attachment plays a big role in the whole addictive oh, theme yeah. of things too. Absolutely. And and with us, and again, those wounds may not be the major gashes. They could just be a bunch of like little cuts. Little cuts that add up. That add up. <laughs> That's right. That add yep. up over time. So therefore, again, you know, let's take the kid who um, doesn't, you know, have to chase the friends, right? Never anybody outright, you know, saying to him, nobody wants to hang with you, get out of here, something like that. Never hear that, but it's just like, oh, oh yeah, you're here. Okay. And then boom, 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 they're, they're, they're ignoring him with, with, you know, surrounding, talking to everybody else. Don't tell him go away. Yeah, but yeah. they just kind of ignoring him. That that's like those that minor cut. You endure that on a regular basis, and then you start to develop again a lot of negative self-talk about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're up against another break. My guest today is Dr. Eddie Caparucci. He's the author of Why Men Struggle to Love. 
overcoming relational blind spots. You know, I've talked to you talked about you as an author. We haven't even talked about your practice and the counseling that we do. But you know, I'm sure we'll oh, get to that. that <laughs> we'll be right back. This is Toby Jenkins, host of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You, and this is One Minute Insight. One of the other kind of money issues that shows up in couples therapy, especially when it comes to heterosexual couples, is when the female partner makes more money than the male partner. Now, this often is a clash when this couple, or not even both people, but one person, usually the male in the relationship, uh, prescribes to a more traditional gender role uh, in relationships, meaning the male in a relationship is the protector, provider, and head of household, so to speak. And that, for many men, that is often tied to the income you generate in the home. So for in this position, a lot of men feel like they're less than a man. And in some situations, this, this is also communicated from their partner. You are less than a man because you don't bring in as much income as I do in the relationship. Now, there are a couple different strategies to, to work through this. And I'll talk about a couple of those over the next uh, One Minute Insights. This is Toby Jenkins, host of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You. One of the biggest stresses that we encounter is money. Money issues strain our family life, create stress in our relationships, and can provoke serious anxiety and depression. And many don't know where to turn to get relief. That's where The Darius Norman Show comes in. The Darius Norman Show airs daily on WTTA-FM 101.2 from 1 to 2 p.m. Darius Norman is a certified credit and financial counselor and author of Rewriting Financial Rules. It's his objective to empower others with educational tools and services to assist them in taking control of their financial and credit issues. Tune in to The Darius Norman Show on WTTA-FM 101.2 and you can follow him on Twitter at The Darius Norman Show. And we are back. You are listening to Paradigm Insights into Relationships and You. And once again, my guest today is Dr. Eddie Caparucci. He's the author of Why Men Struggle to Love, Overcoming Relational Blind Spots. And we were walking through um, the 14 blind spots. And some are, you know, you know, one of the things when I was re or listening and reading the book, um, one, one of the things that struck me, which you've alluded to, is that a good number of these blind spots are fear-based. So, you know, from, from your uh, research in writing, um, you know, talk us through like, why is fear so overarching? And then of these blind spots, which ones are fear really more prevalent on? Well, Toby, I think if you look at these, you can make an argument that all of them are, mm. have fear as a component, even mm -hmm. for example, one of them is a mood disorder, which mm. could, you know, could be anxiety, depression. Now, again, what's anxiety? Anxiety is a lot of fear, depression. Also, again, people can't regulate the way they think and such. Um, and so therefore, but people might say, well, wait a second, what's the fear aspect? Well, the fear aspect is there's something wrong with me. Mm. 
Yeah. Why, why am I like this? Why do I struggle with depression? Why do I struggle with anxiety? Why do I have ADHD? What, what or ADD? What's going on here that my brain isn't the same as everyone else's? And therefore, sometimes in some cases, that fear compounds itself, especially from an anxiety standpoint, where people start to develop OCD, mm-hmm. or even the the idea that you know what what else will go wrong? Yeah, what next ailment I'm going to develop? I I know there've been many people I talked to over the years who they've had the fear of, oh my gosh, am I going to develop a personality disorder? Wow. Um, and, and, you know, it, then you sit and you talk to them and say, look, you know what, at this age, you know, by now, if you don't have that personality disorder, no, the likelihood of it coming on is not going to happen. Um, because again, it's rooted and based on a lot of things that happen to you as you're going through your childhood, your youth, and your uh, adolescence as well as your teen years and even early adult years so but the, but the fear if you look at it like for example avoid emotional pain one of mm-hmm. our blind spots that's all based in fear i can't sit with this i don't i i don't know what to do with it i don't want to do anything with it i don't want to touch it the lack right. of curiosity okay that, that lack of curiosity again is not about um things in general but about people and mm-hmm. why don't I want to be curious? Why don't I want to ask probing questions? Well, because I don't know what I'm going to wind up getting back. Maybe a person will be starting to become more, um, will be more, become deeper in their emotion toward me. And that's going to cause the person who, the guy who's uh, emotionally undeveloped, that's going to cause his anxiety to go through the roof because yeah. he doesn't know what to do with this hypersensitive okay we definitely know hypersensitive is fear right whether it's rejection or or it's uh, i'm afraid of i'm going to be accused of of something i haven't done the struggle to connect is another one with fear you know (laughs) i i i right i i don't know will that person accept me will they reject me you know and so therefore or even what i do if i do realize they're not going to reject me but then it becomes the question of well, what do I say? Right. You know, I, I don't really know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know what question to ask. So that is fear. Inwardly focused, right? We come in and we're more focused on us because we learned at a young age that there's nobody there for us. Nobody's available. So therefore, I have to take care of myself. But that's, again, rooted in fear if i try to be outwardly focused people are going to take advantage of me Mm, people will still not be there they will not be reliable for me so therefore i i just you know say no i'm not going to to do it so that just gives you a sense of some of those even the lack of contentment okay you wonder wait a second how does the lack of contentment well it's a fear that i will never get have that life that I dreamed of or that I think I deserve. You know, I'm never going to have what the guy down the street, who's my best friend, what he has. You right. know, I'm never going to be as smart as the guy across the hall at work is, you know, from me. So therefore, again, there's still the fear. I don't measure up, mm-hmm. you know, I don't measure up when it comes to that. 
So yeah, fear fear is a uh, is a major player in all of these. So uh, you know, it was int- interesting as you were talking about that. Um, and I don't want to give away all the anecdotes from from your book, uh, but like this is a common. I see this in, in clinical settings too, where you're, you're spot on where um, a lot of men stay where there are or develop these adaptive kind of behaviors, especially in their relationships, because they are afraid, won't say it. Um, but like, what are some of the things that men can do to overcome some of these uh, fearful thoughts or kind of fearful repeating mm-hmm. things uh, that we end up saying in our heads over and over again. Yeah well, back. yeah, well, first and foremost is to recognize and accept the fact that you have fears. That alone is very fearful for many men because it's like, wait, I don't want to admit I'm, I'm afraid. You know, no, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm, 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 I'm that, you know, macho kind of guy. And, yep. and the thing is, like, no, you are. You have fears. So, so therefore, you need to be able to, one, acknowledge that you have fears. But then with that, it becomes the idea of, okay, so I have these fears. How do I now, and here's the key word, manage. Mm. Manage mm-hmm. my fear. You're not gonna, we're not going to sit here and say, ooh, how do I make the fear go away? That's not what it's about, okay? The fact, for example, if one of your fears is I'm not good enough, I don't care how much work you do in that area to get to start to change that neural pathway to one of, yes, I am good enough. There will be times, there will be circumstances, there will be people who will do something, say something that will trigger that old way of thinking. Yes. Well, you'll go there. Now, how long will that be? We don't know. It depends on how well you've done in counteracting the idea of I'm not good enough. But just because you do the work doesn't preclude the fact that you may not deal with that somewhere down the road again. And we see this with anyone who's done trauma work. Mm -hmm. Just because you do the trauma work doesn't mean now that all those fears are behind you. You may have desensitized them a great deal, which is what the goal is for the most part, desensitizing. So for example, one client I had who was um, arrested and and he was, you know, when he got arrested, he was like, he he said, I had my hands up, I was fine. And this one police officer came flying at him from the from the left-hand side and just took him down and oh, really? banged him against the sidewalk. Yes. And he's like, I, 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 here I am surrendering to people. And yet this guy was overly aggressive. Now, mm-hmm. again, this is according to the client. I had no reason to think he would be lying to me, but so, so in that scenario for him, whenever he heard sirens, Oh yeah, he he have a he have a panic attack. Yeah, because he thought they were coming for him. Yep. So he's driving and hears sirens, he would immediately pull over because he Mm. was going to have a panic attack. 
Now, I've worked with him for about four years now, and he's at the point where he can go out, and if he hears sirens, immediately he's going to start to feel his heart rate, his heart rate elevate. Mm-hmm. He's going to start to feel his palms start to sweat. He's yep. going to feel that nervousness. But then he'll sit there and say, okay, wait a second. And this is one of the ways that we do this is we look at it from the uh, from the standpoint of what I feel versus what is real. Yes. So therefore, where he is, is like, what do I feel? Well, I feel very nervous. I feel very anxious, very afraid. Why? Because I believe the police are coming mm-hmm. to arrest me. And if they come to arrest me, one of them is going to hurt me again. Right? That's where that's all the thinking that goes on. And that again is the inner child reliving that moment yep. of what happened. And what he's been taught to do is to take those emotions and be able to move them over to rational thinking or wise mind. Because so now what he's doing is he's slowing everything down. Yeah, slowing everything down, which is so important. It's so critical and it's something we don't do because again, we're just emotionally based in our thinking mm-hmm. and we just run with it, right? So yeah. now what do we do? That, okay, yes, they're sirens. That's all they are, sirens. It's noise. Yeah. I've done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Most likely they're not coming for me. So let me pull over here and pull to the side and breathe. I just yeah. have to breathe. And that's what he does. And in that, he found a lot of peace in being able to deal with those fears. Yeah, that's such an important step to have that awareness. But then also, um, you know, as, as men, we associate fearness with weakness and being vulnerable. And so many like that, that scenario described that you described so many, right. I can think of people in my life who would, just push it down and pretend like it's not happening. Um, but you know, that recognition is, is super important and then not associate associating that traumatizing experience of being weak. I mean, that that's something that's traumatic for, although I always often say trauma is relative, but that's a traumatic experience. Um, yes. Well, we're up against another break. My guest today is Dr. Eddie Caparucci. He's the author of why men struggle to love overcoming relational blind spots you know i've talked to you talked about you as an author we haven't even talked about your practice and the counseling we do but you know i'm sure we'll oh, get that. That, that's big. <laughs> we'll be right back you've got mail you've got mail today's listener mail is about premarital counseling uh my fian- fiance and i started premarital counseling several months ago and it has only made things worse to the point that i'm questioning whether i should get married Our wedding is scheduled for nine months from now. Our therapist says this is normal, but is it? I've asked other therapists if they thought we should cancel our wedding, but she, so let me reread that. Uh, Today's list of mail is about premarital counseling. My fiance and I started premarital counseling several months ago, and it has only made things worse to the point that I'm questioning whether I should get married. Our wedding is scheduled for nine months from now. Our therapist says this is normal, but is it? I've asked our therapist if they thought we should cancel our wedding, but she won't give a direct answer. 
we're not sure what to do. Okay, I know what to do. It strikes me as odd that things have gotten worse. I could understand that things have gotten um, more curious, I guess, that you are that you guys are kind of opened up to new thoughts and ideas about each other that you may not have thought about before. What I think you need is a different approach to this counseling. And therefore, what I would do is go to prepareandenrich.com. Prepareandenrich.com. And this is a program that I put together about 25, 30 years ago. It is scientifically based. And what there are, there are 10 different segments that a counselor will walk you through. And what you do is you will do an on online evaluation. You will do yours, your fiance will do hers. And then what they do, the report comes to the counselor. Counselor will give you a summary of the report. And every week you will walk through a different section of that, which is about finances, children, religion, sex, you know, go down to family. How do you deal with family members? And again, it is a fantastic program. When I when I did couples counseling way back when, I utilized this. And I'm telling you, it's, it's eye-opening for couples. And I think it's really rewarding. So again, it's called Prepare and Enrich. And I think it's at .com. Man, people are going to think I planned this, but I didn't. You didn't know this, but actually between now and uh, Valentine's Day, I am giving away six therapy sessions with a prepared and rich uh, therapist out of Marietta, Georgia, Dr. Alicia Rohr of Rohr Psychological and Consulting Services. So if you are a Georgia listener, uh, wow, <laughs> Dr. Caparucci has actually recommended prepared and rich. And all you have to do is email me at toby at paradigmradioshow.com and uh, tell me in your email, hey, I want uh, some therapy sessions with Dr. Alicia Rohr. Man, this is great and unprovoked. Awesome. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how these things just tend to work out, right? It is. So I had no idea what that question was. You didn't share it with I me. I know. I didn't. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. So we, helped, we hope we helped you with your premarital counseling. This is Toby Jenkins, host of Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You. As a marriage and family therapist, I am passionate about healthy relationships, and even the healthiest of relationships need tune-ups from time to time. For my Georgia listeners, I'm offering six sessions with my friend and fellow marriage and family therapist, Dr. Alicia Rohr, founder of Rohr Psychotherapy and Consulting Services. Dr. Rohr will provide a 10-point assessment of your relationship, then use that assessment to help you create a plan to accentuate the areas that you are naturally strong in and strengthen the parts of a relationship that could use some improvement. For engaged couples, you can receive a discount on your marriage license, which can vary from county to county in Georgia. To enter, you must live in Georgia and complete a simple couple screening. Email me at toby at Paradigm Radio Show and put relationship assessment in the subject line in a short paragraph about you and your partner.
help positively transform schools? Then let me, Joel Cotty, keynote speaker and facilitator of the professional learning, Ignite, hashtag love in schools, put deep passion, purpose, and joy back into your classrooms, hallways, and school events. Share my contact information with a principal or district leader near you. My phone number is 859-967-8510 and find me on Twitter and Facebook at Ignite Love PD. You know, these skills that you talk about in terms of like recognizing what these emotions are and that they are fear in that. But, you know, recognizing it is, it sounds like the way you said it is so basic, but I can think of so many times, not only personally, but in my own relationships with other men, whether it be relatives. Uh, and I know that these things or whatever the situation is, there's, there's an emotional reaction or some remembrance of a bad experience or a painful experience. But so often we, uh, we, we man up and just pretend like, oh, that didn't happen or I'm not affected by it. And, um, you know, so it, it, there's, it's complicated because I think also we need to be among in relationship with other men in particular that can say, hey, that fear is not does not make you weak. That fear makes you human. And I'm here for you and with you. But so often the case is, no, nah, I'm good. Right. <laughs> That's right. I am good. You know, and so and what they do is it just compounds everything over time. Yes. Okay. Because the fear is not addressed. And therefore, it, something else will come up. It'll wind up exacerbating it. I don't, the guy, Spencer Johnson, he wrote the book, uh, Who Moved My Cheese? Like a really yeah, I remember that book. major bestseller, right? And it, he had a quote in there. And what it said was, what you are afraid of is never as bad as what you imagine. The fear you let build up in your mind is worse than the situation that actually exists. And so therefore, true. men, based on what you're just talking about now, allows those fears to continue to build within them, but it's doing it subconsciously. Yep. Remember, go back to the idea of the inner child, my inner child model. That child is always in fear. Oh, and he, what he's doing, he's always seeking comfort. Mm -hmm. But he is constantly in fear because he's stuck back in the time warp of those days when there was nobody there for him. He had to deal with all these very scary situations by himself. Mm -hmm. and didn't have the answers for them. Yes. So therefore, whatever happens in our lives today, if, again, if I have not addressed my fears, whatever that circumstance is, that inner child is going to come into the equation and he's going to exacerbate that tenfold. Yep. And therefore making it more difficult for us to be able to manage it and to desensitize it. And that's why it's so really important for people to be able to do their inner child work, find out what are those core emotional triggers that drive me, that activate me, that I am afraid of, so that then when those fears come up, just like my client, you mm -hmm. know, the fear, the fear that the, the stimuli was the siren, 
But the fear was, I'm in trouble. The police are going to come and get me. And once he was able to desensitize that, then he was able to work through all scenarios where he was being able to, again, go through the whole process, the inner child process of what I feel versus what is real. Yeah, man, uh, this is all good stuff. (laughs) Uh, I hate that we've run out of time because there's so much more I wanted to pick your brain about. But, you know, uh, so how can people find your counseling services? Well, right now, Toby, to let you know, I am not accepting new clients. I haven't accepted new clients for quite some time. But what I've done, what I've done is I've trained a network of clinicians on my inner child model. So people reach out to me at edcappa, E-D-C-A-P-P-A at gmail.com and tell me what you're looking for, what's going on. I'll be more than happy to send referrals. I I give out about anywhere between 10 and 15 referrals a week to people who are looking for inner child work. And I respond to everybody who reaches out to me. So awesome. I will find I will find a safe haven for you if you want to do that. The other thing people can do is they can go to the website www.innerchild-sexaddiction. Make sure you put that dash in there, sexaddiction.com. And there they can learn all about the inner child model, as well as they see I have an online program. Oh, great. Counseling program. It's an online program. It's a 12-part program where I, uh, through videos, they're all about an hour long, I walk somebody through the entire process that I would walk somebody through if they came and counseled with me. And I priced it for people who really can't afford counseling. So it is really economically based, but I do believe they will get everything they need out of that to help them to be able to manage whatever disorder because it's not just about sexual addiction that i work in that field and in fact i might have mentioned to you we have two new books that are coming out in september one is yeah one is going deeper for women how the inner child impacts yeah how the inner child impacts your love and porn addiction because that problem is growing dramatically in, with that segment with women. And then the other one, which is coming out in September also, is, um, we don't have the, reg- the official title of it, but basically it's going deeper for addictions, how your inner child impacts your addiction. So if across the board, we're covering right. every addiction possible, and I'm collaborating with a gentleman who is the director for the Center of Addiction Treatment in London. Uh, that's what his center does. They do nothing but treat all various types of addiction. So through him, I was able to take the data I had regarding sex addiction and being able to then uh, shift through it, make yeah. adjustment, make changes. So now here we have a book for people who are dealing with addiction and they have an inner child problem, which almost everybody who deals with an addiction have an inner child problem. Uh, Absolutely. This is outstanding. And uh, I can't wait. It's exciting. Yeah, no. It's It's exciting. I mean, so needed. So, so needed. 
Well, well, especially the women, the one for women, because they're really, there's only really one book I can think of out there that is for that woman who, su- who suffered from problematic sexual behaviors. They're just not, the audience isn't there. And by the way, I'm collaborating with several female therapists who that is their audience. Oh, great. Okay, because I don't do that. I work with men. And that's why ever since that book came out, the one thing I've been hearing over and over again is, when you put in the book out for women and I'm like, I don't work with women and I'm not sure they match up. And guess what? They match up. Yeah. They, we added, <laughs> we added a new one. We added a new kid and we changed two others out because yeah. they cover everything. But for the most part, they do, they match pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. Um, I've worked a little bit with women with, um, uh, addict, sexual addiction in particular. And I would say just off the top of my head, one of the bigger differences, is the amount of shame, um, that women, uh, working through this have that men have it, but it's just different. Um, just mm. the shame is there like a different kind of shame. Talking yeah, about different intensity, kind of, mm-hmm. intensity level of it. Yes. I can imagine. Yeah. And you know, I don't want to get us too sidetracked off, but I've had several women, uh, actually want to work with a man, me, Mm-hmm. because they didn't want the shame of working with a female therapist, uh, which was actually I, eye-opening I, for me. I um, could see that. I could, yeah. I could understand that. That woman is my peer judging me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I, I um, could see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had that happen more than once, which mm-hmm. to me was like, it was eye-opening, but man, this is great stuff. And I'm looking forward to reading your, your upcoming books in September. This is going to do a world of good because there are a lot of people trying to work through various addictions. So, so Dr. Caparucci, this has been great. Thank you for coming on the show again. And uh, those of you that are listening on the podcast version, you'll be able to see all these links in the show notes. But uh, be sure to pick up uh, Dr. Caparucci's most recent book, Why Men Struggle to Love, Overcoming Relational Blind Spots, Reparenting the Inner Child, I did the audio version, which is out on Audible, and you can get it Amazon, anywhere else you buy books. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. If you have a relationship therapy or personal growth question you would like answered on the air, email me at toby at paradigmradioshow.com. You can find archive shows and additional details about guests of the show at the show's website, www.paradigmradioshow.com. You can follow weekly one-minute insight posts on the show's Instagram and Twitter feed at Paradigm Radio Show. For archived episodes, you can find episodes wherever you subscribe to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You is brought to you by Jenkins Professional Services and Hype Media Global. Thank you for tuning into Paradigm, Insights into Relationships and You with Toby Jenkins. Join us again 